Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on August 21st, 2022. Unfortunately, we didn't have an audio-visual technician this week, so the sound was recorded using a single microphone in the middle of the hall. Thus, the sound is a little bit echoey. Also, the recording wasn't started until just before the reflection. We should have things back to normal next week. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. Loving God, we thank you that you are a God that delights to give us deep, deep rest and restoration. We pray this morning that you would open our hearts and minds to receiving an understanding of the Sabbath, an understanding of how sacred rest is to our lives and how important it is. Amen. So thank you. As Eddie said at the beginning, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Sabbath, probably move away from uh, the text. But first of all, um, just to say it feels a bit bereft, actually, not having people at home on Zoom. It feels like part of us is missing. So just to say hello um, um, from my voice to those at home. And I hope you can uh, hear me. And uh, just to say you are still very much part uh, of our service. So when we were, we were studying over Lent, we were studying uh, Richard Carter's book, uh, The City is Our Monastery. And one of the sessions we did was on the Sabbath. And, and I told a story about the first time I heard the word. Um, and as many of you know, my family, I was born in India. And my dad, being the true Scotsman he was, before he went to England, he wanted to set his roots down uh, in Scottish soil. So we stayed on Skye uh, for a little bit. And my parents were, uh, were out on a particular day, and it was a Sunday. And I thought, as a young boy, this is my opportunity to play a bit of music. I had a Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, and I put it on uh, the record player. Full blast with my tennis racket, air guitar. <laughs> and uh, the nearest house with the three sisters, uh, the McGilvery's, lovely, delightful uh, ladies, and we used to go for scones with them. And whenever they said something, they'd repeat it. So if they'd say, the market's open on Saturday, the market's open on Saturday, you would have the three. And I remember them. Anyway, I thought that they were far enough away and I could play my air guitar and... Uh, pretend to be Bruce Springsteen for an hour. Anyway, within five minutes, there was a knock on the door. I don't, they must have shot down that hill, uh, one of them, and said, uh, you know, play music on the Sabbath. And uh, she said it with this very soft, beautiful Highland voice, but there was a real steel underneath. And I snuck away and turned down my, uh, all my music. And that was the first time I'd heard uh, of the word Sabbath. And I uh, talked to my mum and dad and said, oh, no, you, you can't even hang your washing out on the Sabbath. And I suppose when I told this story, it resonated. Other people had kind of similar stories of what the Sabbath was. It was all about what you can't do, what you mustn't do. And 
I since realized that, um, that that idea of Sabbath actually gave me an idea of what God was like, that God was actually telling me, you, sh- you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. So as a young boy, I kind of avoided anything to do with God because I thought, you know, it just ruined, it ruined my life or put constrictions on my life. So um, I avoided church whenever, whenever I could. So I think for me, uh, an understanding of Sabbath not only gives us a better understanding of what uh, the God that we worship is, but I've increasingly uh, think that a healthier understanding of the Sabbath is needed for not just uh, me individually, but us individually, but also our churches and our world and uh, creation. So I think we do need to somehow reclaim, desperately reclaim a theology and practice of Sabbath. And I think the reason is that we have this ambivalent attitude to Sabbath because of some of these very sort of draconian, austere idea of what it's like. And I think in our gospel reading today, Jesus, uh, throughout the gospels, is doing that. He's actually trying to reframe uh, what the Sabbath is. Uh, And he's constantly, if you notice, he heals on the Sabbath. And in our reading, the chief rabbi, uh, a little bit like the uh, McGilvery sisters, um, are very indignant that Jesus heals a woman after 18 long years uh, on the Sabbath. And Jesus replies, ought not this woman be set free from bondage on the Sabbath? And I think at the heart of the Sabbath is that it is a day offering the potential of a radical and deep freedom a day of breaking chains, of healing, and of restoration. And to understand why Jesus was so intentional with his uh, healings on the Sabbath day, I think it helps to have some understanding of the historical and biblical roots, and I'll do that briefly now. The Torah's Sabbath was to remind the Israelites about their dependence on God's divine economy of grace. For the land belonged to the God, and its fruits were free and should be distributed so that all in the community had enough. So it acted like a mini jubilee, where humans' attempts to manage and control the forces of production, in particular food and crops, were interrupted once a week and once every seven years, where debts were cancelled and where land and labour was rested. So the Sabbath cycle was then supposed to culminate in a jubilee every 49th year, which did the following. It released community members from debt. It returned forfeited land to original owners and it freed slaves. Very radical, uh, radical idea. And it was the realization that without it, there would be this inevitable tendency for human societies to concentrate power and wealth in the hands of the few, thereby creating a deeply divided society with a large number of poor at the bottom. And Deuteronomy 15 explicitly states, when talking about the Sabbath, that there should be no poor among you. But in an agrarian agrarian society, the cycle of poverty began when the family had to sell off their land to service a debt, and it then reaches its natural conclusion when landless peasants can only sell their labor and in effect become slaves. 
So to put it in modern language, the Sabbath is a check and balance against rampant capitalism or free market economics, and a reminder to the Jewish people that the land belongs to the Lord and that they were once an Exodus people liberated by God from slavery. So throughout the Gospels, you have this battle between the Pharisaic ethic of Sabbath, Sabbath restriction and control and Jesus' ethics of jubilee, uh, of freedom and redistribution. So that all, including the poor, have a right to access food, healing and freedom, despite laws that might restrict such access. And also the Sabbath was also about creation, where the land had to be left fallow every seven years. And Rabbi Herschel, uh, Herschel explicitly states uh, in a recent book that the present ecological crisis and human work is a crisis of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is a profound affirmation of human freedom, justice and equality. And the connection between the Sabbath and justice can be seen in the Isaiah passage that Robin read. It says, if you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. And if you refrain from trampling on the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, then you will be blessed. So as well as these deep-rooted social, economic and environmental associations of Sabbath, it also offers the opportunity for personal and individual freedom. For if, if God is inviting us to participate in the healing and restoration of a broken world, we need to start with the healing and restoration of ourselves. So the question is, how can we reclaim our understanding and practice of the Sabbath from its austere, draconian associations that many of us have had handed down? And I think firstly is to redefine what the, what the say some of the characteristics of Sabbath are from the Jewish tradition and also take some of these characteristics from the Lemperut and the cities of our monastery. And I'm just going to go through some of them. Firstly, the Sabbath is slowing down enough to enjoy life and savour its blessings. And in the Jewish tr tradition, there is an encouragement to make love on the Sabbath. See what a, how different that is than these rules and restrictions. And I think it's lovemaking in its uh, wider sense. I sometimes wonder if I'd said that to the Gilvies, what sisters, what they might have made. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I think uh, lovemaking is, and that's in my more wicked moments, but uh, <laughs> um, lovemaking in its widest sense about delighting in the physical and the sensual and the joy of creation. And I think it's, it adds such a balance to that whole thing of abstinence that we sh should not do, should not do, which is an important part of Sabbath. Then Sabbath is realizing the gift and miracle of life, the gift of breath and the miracle of our bodies. Sabbath is uh, experiencing time in a different way, as a gift, not as a commodity to manage in order to get our to-do list done, but to stop long enough to experience that each moment is precious, God's kairos time. 
And it goes back to a reflection I did a few weeks ago where Jesus invites us to be present and awaken us to experience God in the now. Sabbath is also about Thanksgiving, a day of gratitude. And as Meister Eckhart said, if the only prayer we ever said was thank you, that would be enough. That would suffice. And then again, Rabbi Heschel says, people need to praise and give thanks. For without praise, we have no energy left to love and to live deeply. Sabbath is a time to be kind to ourselves, allowing ourselves to receive the unconditional love and forgiveness of God, and thereby having the ability to forgive both ourselves and others. Sabbath is a time of letting go and letting be. <coughs> Buddhists call it non-action. St. Paul calls it emptying. The Jews call it Shabbat. And I think in an, uh, an age of accumulation where we're constantly adding, 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 um, Sabbath allows a chance for subtraction, for simplicity, for letting go, for letting go of our need to control, to manage, and to let God in. And uh, I heard someone say uh, that Sabbath for them was a fantastic way to stop deifying human effort and allowing uh, us to realize our need uh, to be and to allow God. Sabbath is a time of being rather than doing, a time to realize that our identity is in as, as much about who we are as what we do and what we achieve. Sabbath is about hospitality, opening our homes and our hearts uh, to others, sharing meals, a day of festivity. And Sabbath is a day of restoration, of rest and recreation, doing those things that give us life, whether it's walking or gardening or whatever uh, it is. And Sabbath is a, a day to discover sacred space, to reconnect with ourselves and the divine, a time to let go of work and toil and re-experience the holiness of existence, including our ability to co-create with God. And I think possibly my favorite is Sabbath is doing things without a why. So I'm convinced that we need to shed some of the baggage that we have with, uh, associated with the word Sabbath and embrace a reimagined intentional Sabbath practice, both individually and collectively. Now, how we do that, I think, is, is uh, often down to the individual. Each, each, many of us are very different. But part of the excitement uh, of interfaith work, which uh, I'm doing quite a lot of in Leith at the moment, is you see the jewels in other faith traditions. And I think uh, the practice of mindfulness and presence in Buddhism is an example. The incredible collective unity in Islam of Ramadan and the bodily physical prayer when they do it together is uh, amazingly powerful. And I think for me, the Jewish tradition of Shabbat, which is much more closely adhered to than in Christianity. And the ancient rabbis taught that on the seventh day, God created Menuha, 
And that was tranquility, serenity, peace, and repose. So manyha means much more than respite from work. It is a deep delight in rest. So maybe because of the word Sabbath carries with it so much baggage, we need to change our language and ask how can we intentionally integrate rhythms of rest and restoration into our lives? Are there times when we can intentionally put down emails, doing chores, engaging in social media, working through to-do lists? These are things that I personally need to just put down and do things which provide rest and restoration, where we do things without a why. Can our Sabbath time crackle with high drama and sensual joy and create spaces of stillness and simplicity, creativity and rest in our busy world? And if we can provide those times, I believe that healing will occur Chains will be broken, often to addictive uh, things. That, and I think all of us um, do have certain uh, addictive patterns that we have in our lives. We can also be set free from the tyranny of a task-orientated life. And just a, a word, actually, the transition of moving to having more rest can often be quite a difficult time because we fill our lives uh, often so that we don't face some of the difficult issues. But I do think if we do that, then we will potentially be set free from many things. And then like Isaiah says in uh, our reading, God will guide us continually, satisfy our needs in parched places, make our bones strong. Shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. And we will be in a much better place to serve our broken world and be, as Isaiah says again, a repairer of broken walls, a restorer of streets, and a rebuilder of ruins. Amen. Our prayers this morning are going to be a little more practical, I think, uh, perhaps than um, normal. So you should have a strip of strips on your chair and a pencil, and some of you will have some glue. Uh, we need to share that, we've not got enough for everybody. But everybody should have access to a pencil and um, some paper strips. Is that right? Have you got this? So we're going to make some chains. Um, just keep in mind all that Ian has been saying about the, the rest of having chains broken. Okay. So paper chains are, are often a sign of celebration, like birthday parties and Christmas. Today we're going to make some prayer chains. So, loving God, we thank you for the times when chains are a sign of happy events or to make us look good as we wear them. We thank you that chains can keep us safe. But today we want to think before you of chains that hold us and your world back from being what you envisaged when you were creator. So I invite you now to think 
or some chain that re restricts God's beautiful world. If you can find one word or a short phrase for that, please write it on one of your strips of paper, maybe rainforests or oceans or something like that. And when you're done um, writing it, put uh, make a, a link with it, with the glue to make a, a, a link. Did you say represents or restricts? Um, well, it can, it, it can be restricting, yes, uh -huh, that, that holds it back, something that holds God's world back and holds us back in it. So if you um, can think of something there. And then hold that link in your hand and imagine it being held in God's, <clears throat> God's hand. And tell God why you have chosen that particular thing to pray about in a few minutes of silence. And we pray again. Loving God, we bring these chain links to you with sorrow that your world is being polluted, tainted, and put at risk by the actions of people that you also meet. God, who gives us rest, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And I invite you now to think of some chain that restricts your people, the, the, the people made God made in God's image and loved unconditionally by God. If you can find one word or short phrase that for for that, please write it in the next strip of paper and glue it to make a link for a chain. And this time remember to put it through the one you've already made. And when you're done, hold that in your hand. And imagine it being held in God's hand. Sorry, yeah. Um, to, um, that restricts the people made in God's image. Um, it might be, um, and this is in, in, in the world, might be a refugee, might be um, somebody who is um, a, influenced by wrong uh, beliefs or um, something like that. So we pray again, loving God, we bring these chain links to you with sorrow that people are being hated, persecuted, <clears throat> marginalized, cast out, made to flee their homes and families because of war, famine, flood, drought. God, who gives rest in your mercy, hear our prayer. So our next link is for um, restrictions on people in our local community. Um, perhaps somebody who's ill, write their name if you like, Some, um, or people who are addicted, um, leave it up to you. And we pray again. Loving God, we bring these links to you with sorrow that people are ill, 
poor, addicted, lonely, discriminated against because of the color of their skin, because of their faith or sexual orientation, gender identity. God, who gives rest in your mercy, hear our prayer. And I invite you now to think of some thing that restricts yourself, that makes you not quite the person <clears throat> that God made you to be. Perhaps you get angry easily, or you think you're worthless, or you know the sort of thing to put on your link. And I, I hope the people on Zoom are managing to do this too. And we pray again. Loving God, we bring these links to you with sorrow that we are often bound up by our fear, our anger, our hatred, worthlessness, bitterness. God, who gives rest in your mercy, hear our prayer. And I invite you to bring your chain with the last strip and some glue and put it in the bowl here on the communion table um, so that you can join yours to, to somebody else's. It doesn't matter whether it's on the end or not, just join it to somebody else's link um, and chain. And we'll leave them before God, but when we come to communion, will you please, when you go past the bowl, pick a link of the chain up and break it. Remembering what Ian has said about breaking the chains for the Sabbath to give us rest. Remembering that God can and does break chains that we create in our lives and sets us free. So I'll invite you to come up now. There doesn't need to be anything written. If you want to write something on the last one, feel free to do that. Let's finish our time of prayer by saying together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Eternal Spirit, Earthmaker, Amen, Life Giver, Source of all that is and that shall be, Father and Mother of us all, Loving God in whose servant, the hallowing of your name echoes through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, from trials too great to endure, from the grip of all that is evil, free us, for you reign.
the power that you dwell, now and forever. Amen. And now we come to the moment where we share the peace with one another. If you wish to do stand. The peace of Christ be always with those of you at home and those of us here in the building. So the peace of Christ be always with you. Let us offer one another a sign of peace. <laughs> I'd just like to thank Elspeth for a very powerful prayers. And I wanted to say a prayer before communion uh, about these chains. Our reading today talks of a woman that had been um, in chains for 18 years and is freed. And I'm very aware that, that there are people uh, in our congregation that may have been ill um, for a long period of time or had things uh, really changed that need uh, breaking. And I think uh, this passage gives hope that Christ has the power uh, to break chains, even if they're long-standing ones that have been holding us back for, for many, many years. So let's just have a moment quiet and offer to God uh, those things that may have really held us back, restricted us from being the person that we truly are or fulfilling our God-given uh, wonderfulness, really because we are created in the image of God. So let's just now give God anything that may be holding us back in any way. Loving God, we thank you that you are a God that desires to heal our brokenness. And we can never understand the mystery of healing and why some are healed and why some are not. But we give to you those chains that hold us back, hold our community back, and hold our world back. And pray that you help us to increasingly trust in your love and your sovereignty, to increasingly set us free. Amen. So we say together our prayers of sharing. Yours, God, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you and of your own The Lord Jesus. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Worship and praise belong to you, author of all being. Your power sustains, your love restores our broken world. And you are unceasingly at work, bringing order from chaos and filling emptiness with life. Christ, raised from the dead, proclaims the dawn of hope. He lives in us that we may walk in light. And your spirit is a fire in us. Your breath is power to purge our sin and warm our hearts to love. And as children of your redeeming purpose, 
freed by him who burst from the tomb and opened the gate of life. We offer you our praise with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven, singing the hymn of your unending glory. Praise and thanksgiving be to you, God of all. For by the cross, eternal life is ours and death is swallowed up in victory. In the first light of Easter, glory broke from the tomb and changed the women's sorrow into joy. And from the garden, the mystery dawned that he whom they had loved and lost is with us now in every place forever. Making himself known in the breaking of the bread, speaking peace to the fearful disciples, welcoming weary fishermen on the shore. He renewed the promise of his presence and of new birth in the spirit who sets the seal of freedom on your sons and daughters. Before he was given up to suffering and death, recalling the night of Israel's release, the night in which slaves walked free, at supper with the disciples, he took bread and offered you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. And after supper, he took the wine, he offered you thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you and for all that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. We now obey your son's command. We recall his blessed passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and look at the coming of his kingdom. May one with him we offer you these gifts, and with them ourselves a single, holy, living sacrifice. Hear us, most merciful God, and send your Holy Spirit upon us and upon this bread and wine, that overshadowed by his life-giving power, they may be the body and blood of your Son, and we may be kindled with the fire of your love, and renewed for the service of your kingdom. Help us to be baptized into Christ's body, to live and work your grace. May we grow together in unity and love until at last in your new creation we enter into our heritage in the company of the Virgin Mary, the apostles and the prophets, and all our brothers and sisters living and apart. And through Jesus Christ, our Lord, with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be to you, Lord of all ages, world without end. Amen. The living bread is broken for the life of the world. Broken things for broken people, holy things for holy people.
consider Sabbath, to Elspeth for your prayers, and to all the music group for all your wonderful encouragement in music. <laughs> 